Hey guys, I'm your host Peter Seth, and you're listening to Millennial Highway. In this episode, I interview Jeremy Ryan Slate. Jeremy is the host of his podcast, Create Your Own Life. In this episode, we tackle how not only to become an entrepreneur, but how to stay an entrepreneur. Why long-term value is more fruitful than short-term competition. And how to develop a dynamic behavior around rejection. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jordan Harbinger here, former host of The Art of Charm and current host of The Jordan Harbinger Show, because I'm really creative with naming my new show, apparently. And now, I'm helping out a good friend of mine, Peter Huseth, with his podcast, Millennial Highway. You're listening to Millennial Highway. This is the podcast of your generation. You're on the highway of life, so why not join us in the fast lane? All right. Before I start off and give my formal introduction with our guest, Jeremy Ryan Slate, I just wanted to thank him for mentoring me through the process of creating Millennial Highway and taking the chance to help me out before I even had a podcast out. So thank you, Jeremy. Oh, wow. I, I didn't realize I was that big of a help, man. I know you just had some questions here or there, and I'm like, oh, I want to help this dude out. <laughs> hey, man. You helped out a lot. Really appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us the story on how you got to where you are today? Oh, gosh. How long do you have, man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know. So, well, it, it, it's funny, man, because like I, I didn't really expect myself to be here because I went to school really to, I guess, be a professional student at times. Like I just really enjoyed learning and I really enjoyed the process of doing that. So I went to Seton Hall University here in Jersey for uh, a double major in Catholic theology and Judaism. Oh, and wow. um, then I studied literature at New College Oxford. I did a, a program that was like, uh, we did Chesterton, we did Lewis, we did Tolkien, things like that, and actually became close friends with C.S. Lewis's uh, personal secretary, Walter Hooper, and we, we hung out a couple times. It was just great. Came back to New Jersey and, and then did my master's at Seton Hall in ancient history. Um, along the way, studying Latin for 12 years and uh, having a, an experience which wouldn't hit me for a few more years until I was 24. But I, I actually had at 19, I had an injury where I tore three major ligaments in my knee, which is supposed to be a pretty easy surgery. And it's actually the same one that Tom Brady had a bunch of years ago when he had that infection or whatever that happened to him. Um, but during the surgery, there was some sort of an issue with my lungs and they couldn't keep me breathing. So I actually had a priest come in and give me last rites. And, you know, they told my parents they didn't really think I was going to make it. And day three of that whole thing, I just started breathing on my own. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, that kind of stunk. Let's, let's keep going. It didn't really have an impact on me. And, and I'll, I'll reconnect that to, you know, where the impact was in that in the future. But then after getting out of school in 2011, it was one of the worst economies ever. So I didn't really get to go into my chosen career, which at that point in time would have been teaching, at least I thought it would have been. And I had been managing the gym on the weekends and working as a personal trainer. So then I started doing that at night while painting houses during the day. So I was working about 16, 17 hours a day um, for my first year or so out of school, which is kind of rough. And I actually ran into a priest friend of my family and ended up teaching at a private Catholic school. And it was kind of rough because I feel like I sound like that old guy that's like, well, in my day, um, because, because, you know, when I was in school, we had cell phones, they were flip phones, there was no smartphones yet. You know, I'm 31, I'm not that old. But the day of 
of smartphones and being a teacher, I can imagine how much rougher it got because it really came to the point of nobody was really interested in what I had to talk about. And they just wanted to see how far they could push me to like get me mad at them and then put me on YouTube or something like that. So it's just like, that was my day every day. Like just getting pushed as hard as you can get pushed just to see what I do. So I really wasn't enjoying that career. And then to bring this back around to what I mentioned at 19, um, at the time I was 24 in 2012, my mom had a debilitating stroke and um, she still can't use her right arm, um, has lost all her language skills, so she can't speak or anything like that. And she can only, you know, walk because she has a leg brace that allows her to do so. So it really kind of made me look at things and I was like, wow, wow, something like that can happen. Because like, to me, like, you know, at 19, I almost died, you know, received last rites, but it didn't hit me until it was 24 and it was somebody outside of myself. So, you know, a lot kind of happens in that point in time. There's, there's, um, rehabs, there's, you know, getting her out of the hospital and getting her back home. So it wasn't until around May of 2013 when my wife, who was my fiance at the time, was introduced to a network marketing opportunity. I had never seen that before. So when I saw this video, I'm like, dude, a million bucks like next week, this is going to be epic. Um, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't quite work like that, Peter. Um, but it was enough to kind of get me to, to do something else. And I actually ended up quitting my, my job really on that whim of, Hey, that was going to make this go right. Come hell or high water. And I look back on that and I think, was it the best decision? No, but I know knowing myself, I don't know if I would have went full force into something if I didn't, I guess, kind of burn that bridge and burn, you know, burn the boats as they say, and uh, as it goes with the, the Greek war Trojan myth where they, they burn the boats and they land in Troy. But I, I, I think for myself, I really had to do that. The advice I give to people, it's not really the best thing to do, but at least got me started. And from there, I ended up then selling life insurance. Uh, then I was selling products on Amazon. And then finally, in the beginning of 2015, I'm like, man, this, is, this has got to change. And I ended up actually quitting all three of those things and um, – working at a friend's digital marketing company, which, which is, I did for about a year and was probably the best thing I ever did because I learned so much about being a business owner. I learned so much about digital marketing, email marketing, website development, social media, all those different things in that year because number one, it was something I hadn't really done before. And number two, this business owner was, was willing to allow me to experiment with a lot of different things. And we had some great results because of that. But I also wanted to do something for myself. So I started a podcast in May of 2015 called Rock Your Life, and it was the worst thing that any human being ever created. Um, the graphic design looked like it was done by a three-year-old with a crayon on a napkin, oh, and the content was horrible. It was just kind of me yelling at my MacBook as I was like a life coach or something like that because I was going to like make all this money from, you know, it, I don't know if you ever seen that that South Park episode where they talk about I want my YouTube money. Have you, Peter? I, I don't think so. I love South Park, but I don't think I've seen that episode. Okay, so, so it was going to be like that. I was going to make all my, all my internet money from, from making this podcast. It did not happen. Um, so I shut it down after <laughs> about 60 days. It was horrible. And in September of that year, I ended up getting married. And I was kind of like, all right, dude, like, what are you, you going to do at this point in time? You know, you're, you're, you're on, on the backside of your 20s. You're trying to decide what you're going to do. And you tried something, didn't really go right. Tried another thing, didn't really go right you know, where do you really want to be? And I was like, well, I really enjoy podcasting and what it could be. So let's treat this as a professional. So I looked at how I could do it better. I looked what I did wrong. I looked at what other people were doing out there. And then I also looked at who are the people I wanted to learn from. And when I took that and looked at it as being the ultimate student, 
it took off, man. Like I know, um, you had mentioned that I had 10,000 downloads in my first 30 days, um, which was awesome. And it's like something out of the ordinary, like that doesn't happen. And it led to me interviewing a lot of people that I really admired. Um, Grant Cardone, Seth Godin, uh, former NFL all pro Sean Merriman. So I've had lots of really, really cool people on the podcast. And that led to me building our current business, which is command your brand media, where we help people build their brands by appearing as guests on top rated podcasts. Um, my life is totally different because I actually, I, I take it back to making that decision of I'm actually going to work for somebody else for a little bit while I create some value. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Wow. That's awesome. Um, going back to like how you change your whole life. Do you think that was through like one sort of decision, like mind shifts, or was it a series of multiple mind shifts or a process of learning throughout uh, your journey of success? Well, Here's the thing I'll say is I, as I don't really trace it back to, to one event because I feel like each of those things that happened to me had to happen to get me where I am today. But if I had to look at one major event, it was what happened to my mom because really like it made me look at life as something that is finite and, you know, we kind of get one shot at this. So what are we going to do with it? We got to make it the best, which is kind of interesting because like I said, I, I literally almost died at 19 and it, it didn't change my viewpoint on things at all. It wasn't until it was somebody outside of myself that really made me look at things differently. So if I had to trace it back to one thing, it's that. But I feel like it hadn't each one of those events, like had one of them not happened, I don't feel like I am where I today where I am today because I really learned so many skills in each one of those. Like, you know, working as a digital marketer has taught me, you know, so much. You know, it's uh being in um insurance sales. Like, dude, I was making 100 to 150 phone calls a day. Like wow. if you can do that, you can do anything. So really each thing that I did has helped me to be able to be the person I am today. And I don't think it's really just one of those things other than that, I guess, cataclysmic event making me change a lot of what I was doing. Right. It's not like you were wasting your time and nothing mattered when you were doing the things that you were doing. It's that each one of those jobs or skills that you were working on helped you to become a better entrepreneur. No, I, I definitely think so because, and, and here's the thing too, is like, is you want to look at like when you're, when you're building a business, right? Like not that you want to do every job in your business, but you should be able to do every job in your business because you need to understand how that works. So you can either flow more power that way or figure out when something's not going right in that way. So I, I think it's, it's important to be able to understand every part of your business, not that you have to do it all. And it also helps you to hire better and power better and create a better product in the long run. So I just think it's really important. Yeah, I was uh, listening to a podcast you were on where you talked about how you wanted to like do is you like, you wanted to work yourself out of the position so that you could train someone else to do like better than you were. If, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the the interesting thing about it is like you have you have to think about it as every time you're doing doing a job in your company like as you know, the founder, you're actually creating that job, right? So the goal is to work yourself out of a job and actually replace yourself. So and it's funny because I saw somebody post on this about Facebook this morning, like, you know, the key to running a great business is document, document, document. You need to be writing down, videoing, screen capturing everything you do related to that job because that is the only way you're ever going to get rid of it. And that's really what I think the biggest thing is. Wow. How many positions, um, I guess out of curiosity, have you had to do that with, with, uh, with the business you have now? 
let's see. So I think there was like seven that were like super necessary to getting us to where we are now. And then there's other ones that, you know, I'm still working and still creating as we go along, which is interesting because in terms of revenue, we've done very well in the last two years. Um, but there's still so much more to do. And I, and I think that's the interesting thing too, is a business is never like a completed thing. It's always a work in progress. And I'm always trying to create more of those positions. Um, just going towards the like more millennial highway based questions. Um, if someone was to go to college for podcasting, what should they major in? Um, that's tough, man, because here's the thing, like I'm a history major, so it's like, um, <laughs> Maybe this isn't the, 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 the best idea for me to give somebody because if I could do it differently, I don't know if I would have done college just because I came out with a lot of debt, not really geared towards what I'm doing now. Like, did it enrich me as a person? Sure. But I, I don't think, you know, hundreds, tens of hundreds or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars is a lot to spend in that, right? Right. I think sometimes like the doingness of the experience and, you know, actually creating a business can sometimes be more educational than schooling. So my opinion on that has changed a lot over the years because I used to be hardcore on, you know, this should be your major and this is what you do, but it just, it didn't work out for me in that way. Interesting. Yeah. Cause what you major in, it could, be, it could be so flexible to what you end up doing five, 10 years down the road. No, it's, it's so true because like I said, like, like a history major, like, like, what do you do with that? Either like, go on to get a teaching degree so you can actually teach in public school and make some decent money or I don't know, you hang out at a um, museum and do some tours or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else you do. Other than that. You know what I mean? You can read a book. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone. I, I, I read a lot of those, Peter. Like as we're talking, I have three shelves filled with, with history books. Um, you know, as we're talking about that. And it's not to say that it's something I ever like totally threw away. Like, like right now I'm reading a book, um, called the Borgias, which is about um, the Borgia family that the father was Pope Alexander VI and his son was Cesare Borgia, who was like one of the most famous conquerors in Italian history. So I think there's always things to learn, but I just don't know if it's something to build a career on anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Have you heard of Dan Carlin's podcast, Hardcore History? I'm obsessed. I, I'm a, I actually, so I buy the additional episodes and I also listen to his other feed, which is Hardcore History Addendum where he gives you all the bonus materials that he cuts out of his uh, other episodes. Oh, nice. All right. Um, getting back to more uh, entrepreneurship based questions. Um, what are the top three biggest lessons you've learned being an, uh, being an entrepreneur? Number one, it's going to take more effort than you thought. Number two, it's going to take longer than you thought. And number three, learn from somebody that's been there. Don't think you have to do it all yourself. Like it's that simple. You know what I mean? It's like, those would be the three things that I would say more effort, more time, and learn from somebody that's been there. Don't think you have to do it yourselves. Because here's the thing, man. Like most mistakes that can be made have already been made. So learn from somebody that made them bef before you make it yourself. Right, right. Um, when you face rejection, what goes through your mind? And then what do you do next? Hmm. So I, it's interesting because there's what I used to feel and there's what I feel now. Um, because like... I used to be like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why did they reject me? I feel so bad about myself, blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing. You know how you get over that call? You make the next call. And that's the biggest thing. And because I've always done that, because I've always been willing to, to face rejection like that, the way I deal with it now is, you know, I feel bad for that person. At some point in time, I hope we get to chat again. Maybe their viewpoint will be a little bit different, but let's talk to the next person and see if I can help them. So I don't really 
deal with rejection the same way I used to because it doesn't really hit me as hard as it used to, if you know what I mean. Because like you, you become, I guess, kind of less able to be, you know, shooken up by rejection if you get rejected more often. Um, you there's a it. guy. Go ahead. No, oh, thick skin. Yeah, thick skin. And one of my one of my favorite things is uh, you know who Noah Kagan is from from Sumo. Uh, I don't. Okay, so he has this thing that he has all his employees do called the coffee challenge. And you're supposed to go into Starbucks and ask for either a free muffin or a 10% discount and then just ask for it and just quietly stand there and wait for them to say something. Um, because you're asking for something that you know you're totally not going to get. So you become okay with rejection right away. And sometimes you find out some interesting things like maybe that cup of coffee may be free. You, know, you never know. So I think really to be able to deal with rejection is something that can be one of the most valuable things you can do. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, when I started the podcast back in January, it, it took me a while because like there, there are certain people that said no to my, uh, for when I want to ask them to come on. And I had to go through like so many. And, but then, you know, I, I got a good list of people and I, there's still some podcasts back in my podcast out archive that I got to put out. So but yeah, yeah. Def- definitely agree. Um, so how has life been since uh, Create Your Own Life podcast? I'm actually living the life I want to live, which is really, really cool. Like I love history. I love teaching, but I'm teaching in a different way now. And I think that's the biggest thing is I'm living a bigger, richer, and more fun life. Um, I have better relationships. I have, um, like I said, a better business. Um, my wife and I have always got along great, so I can't say that's changed. Like we've always, She's always been like my best friend. So, so really, I just feel like I'm on purpose each and every day, which is a really, really awesome thing to, to be doing. How long do you think it took you to get to that point? You, you, know, you know, here's the thing I would have to say is certain things, it's a daily process. Other things, you know, like, I, like dealing with rejection, we're quicker. And, and I think if I, if I had to say, it's taken me four years to feel better with everything. But, you know, that's how long this process has been. I, I hate people talking about the idea of the overnight success because they don't see the nights you don't sleep. They don't see the money on the credit cards. They don't see the failed businesses before. So I think to me, gosh, man, it's so, it's so hard to, to, to really look at it like that. But, but really, I'd have to say it's just this, this it's some things is a daily process and other things that, you know, just kind of went away, you know, as we been through this. What are your top entrepreneurial moments and then some of your worst? Um, well, let's go with the worst first. That's always the best way to do it. Um, okay. So when I, and, and it's funny because even, gosh, how many years has it been? Like five years later, there, there's nothing that still outranks this moment because w- it was kind of like a WTF type moment. Um, my cousin was my best friend for like 20 years. Like literally, like we did everything together. We built cars together. We did this together. We went to the gym together. We did everything together. Mm-hmm. And when I started my network marketing business, I just wanted him to take a look at what I was doing. Didn't matter if you joined me, work with me, whatever. I just wanted to say, hey man, that's cool. Good luck. Um, he started avoiding me once I started that business. And I finally confronted him about it. I'm like, dude, like what's going on? I feel like it's because I started this business. You're avoiding me. He goes, it absolutely is. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to see you fail because you need to learn where you deserve to be. And I'm just like, whoa, dude, I thought we were like best friends. And that was like, literally we haven't spoken in five years. That was the final time we spoke. 
that was the biggest down moment for me. And it was a really rough moment to deal with because like it kind of shook my whole world. This was the person I hung out with all the time. And he apparently just didn't want to see me do well at that, which really, really surprised me. Um, then if you want to go to the other side of it and say like, you know, biggest moments, um, gosh, um, first time I was featured in Inc. was a big deal because my parents were kind of like looking at this whole, you know, entrepreneurship thing is me just like playing on the internet. So when I got featured in Inc., my, my dad was like so proud of me, you know, he emailed everybody at his office, was like telling all his friends about it. And like, that was a big deal. Um, when we, I, I guess when we started to get featured and we, you know, did six figures in our first year as a startup, like that's a really big deal to be able to have done that. And, you know, surpassing that with, with our business now, but really to be able to, to have success with your first business is really a big deal. What do you think allowed for uh, success for your first business? Um, being willing to outwork other people and, and look at the, the points where other people were kind of dropping the ball and see how I could do it better. And I think that's something that I've continued into what we do with Command Your Brand is I'm always looking where, not so much looking at the competition, but looking at the client and looking where they, I see them falling short and seeing where I can upgrade that. You know, like we had started as, producing podcasts for people and part of what we were doing was getting them on shows and doing this whole thing but we realized they like getting on podcasts more okay so let's focus on that 20 percent and get rid of this other 80 percent so that's going well what's going well about it what's going well that we're niching it and putting it on the right shows okay cool well how could this be even better well let's go into a storytelling element and let's work with them on how they can tell their story better cool okay great how can we do that better well let's teach them content marketing because they can do even better if they know how to market these episodes after they're live. So I'm always trying to enhance that experience. And it's funny because you could say I'm trying to outdo my competition, but I'm really not looking at the competition. I'm just creating it. It just so happens that they're not doing that. And I, and I think that's really for me, which has been the biggest focus, you know, since day one. Right. Cause you're putting so much value into your own clients. Then the competition starts to almost become nil because they're, they're not doing what you're doing. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is if you, you're trying to make moves, like outmaneuver your competition, you're going to make really bad moves because they're short-sighted because you have to beat this tactic or do this or do whatever. And instead, if you're just building in a long-term value, it's really going to make a big difference for what you're building. What are um, some important qualities that you need to have as an entrepreneur? Be willing to learn all the time. Be willing to learn all the time. That's a big one. Like, like and here's the thing is like, I like to learn from people that are business authors, which is a big deal. But I also like, I guess it's the historian in me. Like I always like to learn about famous people because I think it's just interesting to see how they, they think. Like I, I finished a book of, about Harry Truman not too long ago. I just told you I was reading a book on Cesare Borgia. Um, I read a book about the guy that built the Brooklyn Bridge. Like it's always interesting to me to see how big characters in history think because they just do things very, very differently. And I think that's why I'm so interested in high performers. Um, another thing is be willing to stay in it for the long haul because a lot of people fail at something once. They're like, all right, game over, man. I'm going to take my bat and ball and go home. And it's just not like that. Like you have to be willing to keep in it for the long term and keep it going because it's not going to be as easy as you thought. It's not going to be as quick as you thought. And you have to be willing to push through that. So I would say it's be willing to learn and also be willing to stay in it for the long haul and work harder than everybody else because you will see that reward at the end of the rainbow. Do you think uh, a podcaster eventually becomes an entrepreneur or do you think there's a distinction between the podcaster and the entrepreneur or are they one of the same? 
Ooh, that's tough. That's a really tough question. Um, so I would say that most people start out God, it's, it's really tough, man, because it's the industry is in a lot of change right now. Like a lot of people are starting out as business owners and becoming podcasters, but the trend used to be starting out as podcasters and becoming business owners. So I think we're you know, or entrepreneurs in that way. So I think we're kind of seeing that flip right now where more entrepreneurs are becoming podcasters because they have a message they want to get out. Um, so the industry itself is in a lot of change right now because it used to be this like quiet group that kind of dealt only with itself being people that were podcasters. But now it's becoming such a widely recognized kind of medium to use that it's kind of going the other way now where it's entrepreneurs are becoming podcasters and they have to learn how to do that. And I think that's the biggest thing is people actually have to learn how to host, how to ask questions, how to do things. Like for me, like I didn't study other podcasters to get good at this. I studied people that were great interviewers. Like I studied Larry King, Oprah, uh, Walter Cronkite, like a lot of really great interviewers. I'm like, well, how do they do it? How do they tell a story? And there's a little bit of me that was like, I want to be like Dan Carlin talking about the charisma and Shaw, you know, and there's, <laughs> there's a little bit in there in the man. So you have to be able to tell a great story, but also guide what you're talking about. And that's the biggest thing you're going to see in really, really great interviewers. Um, like Jordan Harbinger is an incredible interviewer, but the guy's been doing it for 10 years. And I think that's the biggest thing is you have to be willing to put in the time to be able to learn how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Jordan Harbinger. He actually, uh, does my introduction, which is really cool. But, uh, yeah. Do you think, um, I, th I think you kind of touched on this already that, that being a or interviewer, I should say is more innate or you think it's more, uh, teachable. I don't think it's an eight because I was the worst interviewer ever when I first started. And, you know, I like to think because just because of the feedback I get, this is not just me saying about myself, but the feedback I get is that I'm really good at it now. I was a horrible interviewer. Like the, the way this worked, Peter, is I would list out 30 to 40 questions because God, I really needed to have enough of them to get through a half an hour. And I was going to interrogate you about every little piece of your life. And it was awkward for everybody involved. Like it just wasn't fun and it wasn't exciting and it wasn't interesting. Um, and the more you do it, like it took me 200 episodes, man, you kind of get comfortable and your, your perception kind of changes because you can look at it and you can be like, oh, oh, there was something missing in what they just said there. So, so what happened at this point? Like, tell me what happened there. And that's where you find the gems. That's where you find a lot of these interesting things. You, you kind of develop this like the sixth sense and not, not in the I see dead people kind of way, but this ability to kind of perceive what people are leaving unsaid or what was really a big point in their life. And it's interesting too, because when you get done with conversations where you pick up something that hasn't been picked up before, people treat you differently. They get done, they're like, wow, you know, nobody's ever noticed that before. Like nobody's ever said that to me before. It was, I, I've had quite a few guests, you know, like one guy um, sent an email to his list two weeks ago where he said, this is the most in-depth in interview I've ever done. I don't set out to have it that way, man. It just becomes a great conversation. And with a lot of experience, I kind of know where to pull that string, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, uh, I'm definitely trying to elevate my uh, interviewing skills. So um, if I'm, I think I'm doing better than I originally was. So, <laughs> Hey man, you are doing awesome. So you keep doing you and you keep, you keep working hard at this. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Um, I think we're getting near the end. Yeah. We're, we're roughly coming around 30 minutes. Um, where can we find you, Jeremy? 
Absolutely. Well, if your audience is interested in finding out how they can use podcasts to grow their brand, grow their personal brand, their business, put together an awesome worksheet for them, they can go over to commandyourbrand.media slash checklist and they can pick up that free download today or they can check out anything on my personal brand side over at jeremyryanslate.com. All right. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, Peter. This was awesome. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Millennial Highway. What really helps out this podcast is if you subscribe to 